everyone and welcome to the dinner table. I am so happy to have you guys all here and I'm so happy to get a chance to talk to everyone. With me, of course, is my favorite dinner table co-host. Joe Hilliard, hello. <laughs> hello, my favorite dinner table co-host. <laughs> and you're moonlighting doing other dinner table themed podcasts when I'm not looking. Right, exactly. Well, they're not doing very well because I haven't heard of them yet. <laughs> I'm having a hard time already talking. My um... Why? What are you talking about? Well, some of the listeners may already know this, but I do a lot of online lives for Facebook feeds and for my gardening business. And back in December, I started doing a daily morning live. Mm -hmm. And then after the new year rolled over, it was like a fun habit that I liked. And I could see that it was actually making my interaction on Facebook more fun because the people that would interact with me on my lives are the people that I'll see in my feed, you know? And so it's just like a little bit more engaging and more interactive to like have this connection point. And I just like to talk to people. Clearly, I'm doing a podcast, so I like to talk to people. But I prepared everyone somewhat for the idea that all of a sudden I was going to disappear from the visual world. <laughs> and the reason is, is because I think I mentioned in a very old past episode that at some point I was going to have to talk to everybody about these procedures that I'm going to have to have with some dental surgery. Mm -hmm. So last week, right after we launched the Monday podcast, I got myself ready for surgery on Tuesday morning. What she said was they bulked up my bridge. Here's mm -hmm. the short of the long. I was born without two adult teeth. I was born without my canines. Mm. And so when my bilateral so, so you were born in, with teeth for all of your teeth except for two. Correct. We've been looking at your baby teeth yes. for the canines. Yes. For as long as I've known yes. you. Yes. And part of the reason it's hard to tell is because when I was younger, of course, I knew that this was the case, and they built my teeth up to look like canines. So they fit in my mouth the way they're supposed to fit in my mouth. I didn't have, it didn't look like I had two tiny little baby teeth mm -hmm. inside of an adult mouth. But after 42 years, both of those two baby teeth no longer even had roots on them anymore. So I had stopped eating at the front of my mouth. And I had gotten to the point just in the last few months where I was like, I can't even touch this tooth because it's going to pop out. Knowing that this surgery was coming up. It, it got, there was one moment where I got like a, I don't know, this is maybe too much of dental information, but I got like a chunk of meat, I think, between the tooth and the gum. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, this tooth's coming out. And so then I got real serious. This That was probably about a year ago, actually. Mm -hmm. And I got real serious about doing a lot of dental hygiene stuff. You made a conscious decision. I'm changing everything I do to keep these baby teeth in as long as I can. Yeah. Well, I'm one of those characters in life that I, and, I, and I've seen enough evidence to prove this. That if somebody gives me even a little bit of evidence, any, a even one outlying person gives me a little bit of evidence that something can occur, then I can set my mind to it. And oftentimes I can make similar types of things happen for me. Healing happens to be one of those things for me. Mm -hmm. If someone gives me even a remote possibility that my body, given the right nutrients, can heal itself, then I'm going to do that. So even three years ago, when I was like, oh man, these teeth are really starting to show, even to the point of you imagine, people probably know this, that once a tooth loses its root and it's no longer like connected to anything, it starts to die. One of my little baby teeth was starting to die. You could see where the edge of the tooth was starting to die. Mm -hmm. Several years ago, the dentist told me, your gums are very healthy and we don't give our mouths enough credit for the healing that can actually occur. So just because it's gotten a little bit loose doesn't mean that it won't still hold on a little bit. 
and they did some x-rays and there was still a tiny little bit of root left in there. So at that point, I'm like, okay, I just need to begin thinking about the fact that in the next couple of years, I'm going to have to do something about this. Well, then this last year with a weird sense of like some kind of bacteria had gotten in there and it had, my gums had gotten swollen. And so then I started getting really serious and then one little bump had knocked the tooth. And then I went and got another x-ray and they were like, you have zero root left on either one of those teeth. We actually began this process Gosh, it was after Corona had already started, after the pandemic had mm -hmm. already started, because I was having to go up there with a mask and all that kind of stuff. So we go to San Antonio, Texas, and they have the University of Texas Dental School there. And that's who I have chosen to work with for this project, Dr. Rebecca Garcia. And she's been amazing. So I went to a lot of dental screening appointments before it was finally said, okay, this is, we do want to work with you. We think your mouth is very healthy. We think you are very healthy. Dr. Garcia was very excited, actually. She's like, I, this is a big project, but I think we can do an amazing job. And I think you'll be very happy with it. And so the official oral surgery began a week ago. And the first step, and like I said, she called it bulking my bridge. So after they took the teeth out, then basically what they do is they open up your gums. And for me, these are... In that canine area, I imagine. Well, no, all the way across. Oof. I know. That was the part when I came out of the surgery mm -hmm. and looked at it and I was like, oh my gosh, they literally cut open my gums and like lifted them back. Mm. And so she... Like, like the convertible top of a car. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah she yeah. had said that. She's like, we're... She hadn't really <laughs> explained it and probably because it's kind of sounds scary if you explain it yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. What they had to do was a bone graft in my gums, basically. My bone structure inside of my mouth grew to the shape of tiny little baby teeth. Mm -hmm. So I don't really have a lot of g gums up there. And I have little, little bridge. Well, moving forward to the goal, which is to put two implants where those adult teeth never came in, mm -hmm. you need to have the proper bone structure underneath for them to screw the... Exactly. Yeah. And you don't exactly. have that. Right. So I don't to, have enough so bone there. put it in. Correct. Which is nothing I knew existed. Bye-bye 42-year-old baby teeth. It's mm -hmm. been nice. And did you keep them to put into a little locket on No, your... but she did show them to me. And they were sad, little ugly teeth. Because they had had so much work done on them over the years. Over the They'd year. had all this bonding and yeah. all this, you know. <laughs> they have to invigorate your own bone to get it to grow. They're like, we need more of you, so grow more. So they have to teach it. Hey, hey, wake up. So they literally went in with like some kind of little hammer type thing and like banged holes in my bone structure. Oh, okay. So that the natural repair process uh -huh. would then go above and beyond what needs to be repaired. Correct. Oh, that's, okay. that's interesting. And they took blood from me when they, when they put the IV in for the sedation medicine to use to invigorate my blood and my bone to start building itself. But they did use some bone that they create using, I don't know, however they do that kind of genetically modifying stuff. <laughs> I think it's just two pieces of genetically modified corn. We're just going to shove them up there. So they did all that work. And five hours later and uh -huh. a lot of drugs, they let me loose. And I walked out with two less teeth and a mouthful of stitches and a face full of swollen. Uh -huh. <laughs> like, I mean, this sent shockwaves through our home, really. Every well, every process well, is, is... What I was going to say is I feel like it sent shockwaves through the Facebook internet. Like, I felt like... Because what I was going to say at the beginning of this is that I sat there and prepared everybody for the idea, like, I'm not going to go on. And then I was like, oh, no, I'm not. I'm really not going to go on for like 
a long time. It was an abstract notion, but the reality of it when it got here I was... I thought that I'd be back to work yesterday. Uh-huh. I thought that on Monday I'd be doing lives and everything again. And I'm like, I'm not even going to have teeth by Monday. Like, <laughs> I don't think... I think I need... And my face is still so swollen, like even around my eyes. It's definitely better than it was. Every day has gotten better. But around my eyes this morning is when I noticed. And I guess that's because the swelling around my mouth is finally starting to go down. Mm-hmm. But like my face is swollen. Yeah, they 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 knocked on your bones inside your mouth with a hammer. <laughs> That's not going to be unlikely. It's the oral surgery episode, <laughs> right. and that gives us an occasion to talk specifically about things we've never talked about on the show. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Unanswered questions. So there are two major unanswered questions that came up off microphone. This has nothing to do with last week's episode. Mm-hmm. If I go to the doctor and they offer me an antibiotic, whether it's me, my children, it doesn't matter who it is. I look at the entire situation and decide whether or not I feel it is worth the risk. Listen to this again, whether it is worth the risk to knock out my entire immune system with antibiotics or not. When I came out of the surgery, I learned that I'm going to be taking amoxicillin every eight hours for like seven days straight. Right. That's antibiotics as opposed to prebiotics or probiotics, which Mm -hmm. means build your biotics. It's kill your biotics. I started down that path Mm -hmm. solid three decades ago with my parents and then two decades ago with my children when I went down that path. And I I, recognized it with my kids. You'd go to the doctor and they'd say, might be a virus. Let's give them some antibiotics just in case. Might be a virus. Let's give them some antibiotics. Just just in case. It's not a virus. Like That's a lot of getting rid of my kids' biotics, which I've learned they need to have. And some of the first conversations we started having with this was they would tell women, okay, we're going to give you antibiotics, but ladies, you're going to need to eat some yogurt. Well, why ladies? Because you're going to get a a yeast infection after you take this antibiotics. It's going to kill your natural gut bacteria and everything like that. And it's going to cause you to potentially have a yeast infection. Mm -hmm. That was kind of the first tiptoeing we Mm -hmm. all did as a country into this idea that antibiotics could be causing us some problems and we need to counteract those problems. Dental stuff, I mean, people have been known to get their wisdom teeth out in order to keep from having a sinus infection that won't go away. <laughs> like your your teeth are connected to other things in your head and in your body and in your system and they're highly connected to your bloodstream. Mm-hmm. You don't want to get some sort of bad bacteria in your system Mm -hmm. from having dental work done. If you think about your mouth and how Mm -hmm. it's an intake point for your body, there is a Mm -hmm. high probability that you're going to get bad bacteria in your mouth at any moment as opposed to on your elbow. That being said, the risk of not taking antibiotics outweighed the risk of what seven days of antibiotics would do to my system, especially this kind of system I have and what we know about immunity and all of that. So one of the things I really like to do is to ask, if I've got a question, I'm not necessarily asking because I don't know anything. I'm asking because I think it's an opportunity to open up dialogue, right? And dialogue beyond let me tell you, or let me send you some report you're not going to read, or let me repost a YouTube video of somebody talking about something that you may or may not even look at, or may or may just call fake news or whatever, Let me just ask. Anecdotally. (laughs) What would you do? What would you do? What would you do if you've been set to take antibiotics? You can't avoid, because I have to say that in my 
algorithm of people, I have to say, if you can't avoid taking the antibiotics, what do you do next? And I thought it was really a good, interesting that conversation. That was your unanswered question. Exactly. And I don't know that everybody answered it in that way, like understanding that I'm not asking you to tell me how to cure Corona, because I wasn't <laughs> asking you to tell me how to cure Corona. In fact, I don't have Corona. What I was asking was generally, what do you do to boost your immune system? And I got a lot of answers. I got a lot of answers. It's a fascinating conversation. You've got biotics inside of you. Right. That are required and essential and necessary. Well, our human the, system has a microbiome just like your backyard garden has a microbiome. Sure. And these antibiotics are going to do something that I don't quite understand as far as how much of the trace good biotics that I want to keep in my system. Let's assume that everything's going to get wiped out and I'm going to start with a clean slate. What that is, notion right there was the scariest thing to me about this entire thing, by the way. Not the you pain. You felt very comfortable about your natural ability to get over it. But now you're asking me in this procedure to knock back what I know to be my front guard against the badness. I felt like I had a very strong front guard during this pandemic that my front guard was strong mm -hmm. and could hold off things. So one aspect of the way you would eat was not just nutrients and calories, but immunosystem building things. Yeah. Like I said, we talked a lot. We talked a lot about the fermented foods. There was a lot of that. And I can't really chew. So just gnawing on a bunch of fermented radishes and green beans and sauerkraut, that wasn't going to be the quick answer. Of course, the quick answer that everyone knows is yogurt, but I wanted to make sure that the yogurt that I was getting was the highest quality, the highest level of acidophilus, blah, blah, blah. The number one goal of it was that it's a prebiotic, probiotic food. That's sure. the number one goal. And this is when I'm in the grocery store looking at labels. Right. So I brought home like 15 different ones from 13 well, different brands. And I needed soft foods and I'm eating a lot more right now than I normally eat because I'm having to eat all day in order to take medicine all day. And part of the medicine that I'm taking, and this was part of the conversation too, I was curious to see what all types of supplements and things like that that were brought up. And of course it was, you know, zinc, iron, vitamin D, you know, B12, I mean, just everything. And with those particular supplements that people are suggesting, all those vitamin D, B12, all of that stuff, I take daily supplements that I don't take daily because I'm not a daily taker of anything. But when I have a sore throat or um, just feeling a little down, too many headaches, maybe, maybe sinus, whatever, or something like this, I'm going to make sure that I'm taking all of those. So basically it's like, it's easier for me to look at myself like a plant <laughs> It helps me understand mm -hmm. things better. What would I do for my plant that's sick, right? I clean it up. I trim it up. I get everything that hygienically that I can do to clean it up. And then I'm going to give it all the nutrients that it needs. I'm going to make sure it's getting all the sunshine. I'm going to make sure it's getting plenty of water. It's the same thing with me. I'm going to make sure I'm getting all the best minerals that I can get. And I'm going to make sure I'm getting all of the good bacterias and all of the good protozoas and all the good yada yadas that I need. This is what your diet is going to be for a few days is focused on soft, high protein, high nutrient, high mineral, high probiotics. And some things got added to my list like kefir. And it's not, not that I had never had kefir before. And this is an unanswered question because I don't even exactly know what it is. So we should look into it. I don't know what it is enough to describe it to you on air. That's Let's put it that way. And I do want to answer this next week. 
Yep. And then another thing that I had been considering adding to my arsenal before this occurred, mycelium or mushrooms. And there's a lot of people that talk a lot about how our body system can function at a higher level if it has a regular dosing of mushrooms. You follow me around with a camera every Sunday. What's the thing I make sure people know, the thing that I need Your them to learn? Your hair looks good. <laughs> yes. My hair doesn't always look good. <laughs> Sometimes it does. Oh, I know. I nailed it. That's the answer to the question. The second thing is... And in the intuitive gardening online class that you're doing right now, the first week is soil health. You got to start at the bottom. Yep. Start at the foundation. Yep. Mycorrhizal fungi. That's correct. The first thing that I teach people in the gardens is that your garden will never be healthy unless it has fungi growing in it. Mm -hmm. If your garden has fungi growing in it, then your plants can get access to mm -hmm. the things they need access to. So one of the supplements that I added to my list of my arsenal, and y'all, I have an arsenal. I have an arsenal of essential oils that are great for anti-inflammatory, like CBD oils and copaiba. Those are really good anti-inflammatory. Turmeric, good anti-inflammatory. But one of the things I had never added to that arsenal was... Fungi, of course. I mean, and yeah, we'll eat, you know, mushrooms and things. Sure. And, oh. and But mushrooms is not one of those things that you can up, up, up to give your diet more of the way you can with like garlic. I eat, we, we talked about this before. I eat pods of garlic, right? When I'm potentially dealing with a cold or something like that, I eat pods of garlic. Well, I hadn't really activated that with mushrooms. But the main thing to understand about that is that mushrooms job is not the mushroom is just the, the, this is what I teach in gardening. It's the road. It's the bank. It's the pre. It's going to feed the probiotics. It's going to get the food to the probiotics so that the probiotics can be strong enough to knock out the bad biotics mm -hmm. that we don't want in there. That, I mean, it's, it's no different than your garden. Healing. Getting there. Well, every week you get to listen to me talk about something I'm doing in the garden, something I'm harvesting, something I'm learning from the garden. And I'm curious if some of you would actually like to go down the rabbit hole of gardening with me a little bit deeper. If you have an interest in that, I would love it if you would join me on my Facebook group called It's Just Aislinn. We'll drop the link in all the things we're doing so that you can go and check that out. See you there. And then the second unanswered question, the biggest one when we got home is, okay, what are you going to eat and i don't think that we had even discussed it like we should have probably ahead of time the night before i made some delicious ribs that were useless as leftovers so i did ask you well what do we have and i'll try to make a cream soup or mashed potatoes or something soft cabbages and <laughs> turnips like that's what we have right so i whipped together some turnip potato soup like a cream soup and that was fine, I guess. You got that down. It wasn't my finest hour. The next morning, I went straight to the grocery store to pick up... All the things I would need to make a smoothie because... Smoothie had, makings, yeah. Yeah, it's because we, had, because we had asked that question and a lot of folks had said, you know, I do a lot of green smoothies. I was like, yes, of course, I'm going to do some smoothies. And I got into my head, I don't know, 15 years ago that I needed a Vitamix and that I couldn't live without a Vitamix blender. That, that was a healthy decision. <laughs> and of course, I tend to get what I want. And so I've had one of those in my 
coffer of tools all these years and it makes a significant difference we use it to make the cream soups cream soups real creamy it's been very busy the last few days let's put it that way it is a good tool i'm glad we have it so what i do is i fill up a pitcher of that vitamix a big nice vitamix pitcher of smoothie and pour half of it into a container that then I put into the fridge. That I, so it gives me the ability to do it a couple of days in a row. And I'm making basically a smoothie bowl. But my smoothie this morning had the kefir we talked about. So kefir is real liquidy like milk almost. Right. And then yogurt, just plain non-fat, high probiotic yogurt. Some honeycomb and honey that I'd gotten years ago. And then I do, okay, and so this is the other thing that makes a smoothie when it would be high season to do a smoothie in our house, when we've got a lot of fruit, so during fruit season. Mm -hmm. But today I used frozen roselle, which is the little flowers of a roselle plant, frozen figs, and then of course all the frozen things that you had gotten from the organic section of the grocery store. I also like to use dried moringa or fresh moringa if I've got it. And then of course I used a bag of greens and then I'll throw in any kind of fresh root vegetables. So if I've got beets or carrots, I'll usually always throw that in. And it just so happened that you had brought home some turmeric from the farmer's market. Yeah, this is good for immunity building. And and I like to buy things at the farmer's market that we don't have. Yeah, it's good for anti-inflammatory. That's turmeric. But how did we pronounce it again? I don't know. Have we done this on Answer Questions already? I'm pretty sure we did already. (laughs) I still can't pronounce turmeric. 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 I think it's turmeric. Quinoa. Yeah. (laughs) That was my smoothie this morning. And I actually had mentioned, I think, in last week's episode that I think that I would like to start making myself break fast a little earlier with a smoothie, a nice green smoothie. So it's nice to know that you can dirty up that blender and then get at least a couple days out of the dirtying that you do. So You said, and I'll do my best to get an impersonation of that first night. (gasps) Yes, darling. Can you make me some scrambled eggs? (laughs) <laughs> really really soft but i've made you scrambled eggs twice three yeah, times a few times and because it, that was an easy eat yeah, yeah. And i reminded you every time you get on me because i didn't use this or that vegetable we have to remember we're raising eggs back there in the backyard with our chickens there are times in life when having eggs all of the time usually a surplus really comes in handy and you don't want to overdo it because if you overdo smoothies you're going to get sick of those too but that's a nice probably protein pop oh definitely eggs is always a thing for me a high protein easy soft meal and we're not going to pretend like this chocolate addiction of yours isn't real the chocolate thing did become a problem because i, I was trying to eat chocolate that yeah, night and right. i couldn't eat it it yeah. was like <laughs> i said here take this fancy bar of chocolate and just stick it in your mouth until it melts and then and I was like, that's not fun so I thought to myself, fudge. Yep. Good old-fashioned grandma's fudge. Because that'll make her smile, and there's the chocolate, and she's already under the shakes from the surgery, and we don't need to get into the chocolate shakes either. <laughs> so I texted your mom at like 1130 at night. It's like, I hope I didn't wake you. I need the recipe for fudge. And she had the I recipe. I was wondering right about there. that because she asked me the next day, did you get fudge? <laughs> what? I am very happy with the fudge that we made. I'm very happy with it, too. And I was worried that I'd put too much butter into the fudge. You got to have marshmallows in fudge. I had to go to the store to buy marshmallows, something we don't buy. By the way, there's a very soft treat in there called marshmallows, a whole bag of them, if that's something that you might be able to mush around with. No. But, so, yeah, fudge. I'm going to put that fudge recipe up because it was delicious. Another aspect of this is a go-getter, someone that fills their day up with activity, usually physical activity. 
who I guess you told, you explained it to me. I'm being told by everyone that knows me well, I need to just sit and relax. I don't know, we call it on the couch, couch time. The way that I explained it the other day was I was in such a good flow of momentum, such a, a good amount of activity. And you take that seriously. My productivity was high. I had good cash flow coming in for my products that I'm selling, you know, booking clients. There was a lot of momentum behind it. And I did say last week that I was getting tired. So that's one thing about me. The break was coming regardless, but I didn't like the complete and total halt. And this halt was bigger than I expected really, because I had already planned myself that Friday I was going to have an appointment with a client. And then already by Monday, I'd be doing my next live of one of the workshop series, intuitive gardening workshop series that I'm doing. And by the that time- would, That would have been three days after your surgery? Exactly. The doctor was already like, we need you to come back on Monday because we need to check your healing. And at that point, I can give you a little retainer that's going to have a couple teeth in there so that I'm not, you know, with a couple holes, no teeth in my mouth. Because I'm a little bit vain, let's be real. Like this whole thing has I, I, I don't me, think there's anything wrong with what you're saying right now. This whole thing has been really an interesting thing for me because... I'm writing down a question that I for years, years ago, okay, so I've been on the face of news, minimally, local news, since I was like 13, probably younger than that. Anytime some interesting story would come up that I was connected to, the news, news folks always knew me. So they would call on us. They would call on me to come and do something, you know. So when I started my career as a young professional, as a public relations professional, and my job was a pretty face on camera all the time. But I remember that I would keep my smile kind of like minimal. Yeah. And my my boss would say, girl, show some teeth. Mm -hmm. Put your lipstick on and show some teeth. But that was because because I was a young communications professional. And so she was trying to teach me how to be on camera. That was one of the things I was really vain about was that my teeth didn't look good. And then I got some work done. And so it kind of like backed off on that for a few years and didn't like get too panicked about it. But then when I started thinking about losing that tooth, it was a big deal. I was like, it, I, I started panicking. Oh, like yeah. I've got to get, uh, it's time for me to start mm -hmm. putting some money in the, in the savings account. It's time for me to make a plan. I've got to have a plan for this I, because if this tooth pops out. Yeah, and I remember during the mayoral campaign, I can't lose a tooth right now. <laughs> and then I remember during your like live. Can I make it through TEDx with my tooth in yeah, my mouth? Yeah, TEDx was when I was, I can't lose a tooth before my next TEDx speed. I can't lose it. Well, back up just a little bit. And when I went up there, I don't know, a couple months ago to get my teeth cleaned, I had I almost had an anxiety attack with mm. the girl cleaning my teeth because I was like, she's going to knock my tooth out. If she keeps doing that, she's going to knock my tooth out. And I had to tell the dentist later on, I was so surprised at how much anxiety I had during mm. that visit up there. So... It was a thing. Like in my mind, going up there, I'm like, oh my God, how am I going to feel about this whole situation when I come out? And I almost didn't want to look. I haven't looked at myself in the mirror that much. That was my question. How does it feel looking in the mirror? I don't like it. Like I think, you know, when I when you when, get upset about something, I mean, you just like, it's not, it's not the prettiest version of me because I know that my eyes are puffy and I know that my cheeks are puffy and my teeth are already looking better and I know that yeah. it's not even that big of a if my face wasn't so swollen I could go on camera right now and there'd be a lot of people that wouldn't even know yeah. what was going on yeah but I'm so proud of my smile it is so funny the moments in life where you're like 
when in the world is anyone been this close to looking at my mouth this often ever but then on the other side of it is when in the world could i literally walk out the door with a mask over my face and no one would even (laughs) that's the truth you could do a live right now with a mask on (laughs) so it is kind of odd that the timing of everything how you feeling though i'm ready to get back in the flow like i get nervous about getting out of the flow I have a tendency in my backstory of life to allow this kind of thing to put me in a state of depression, mm-hmm. to get me out of, when I'm out of the flow of momentum, to cause me to start not actively participating in the things that, I, sure. that I'm good at and I've been doing to keep my momentum alive. Well, you've talked about being an introverted extrovert or an extroverted introvert. And I know that there are times in life when you say, you know what, I want to take a step back and Mm -hmm. out, Mm -hmm. but it's 100% in your control. The thing that I'm trying really, really hard to do the most is to not allow my brain to be mad at me for not working right now. I imagine a lot of people have that same kind of problem with the first few days of like a vacation, a normal vacation. Mm -hmm. This feels different. Or you get to the end of the vacation and you're like, There's a lot of work that I should have done while I was on this trip, even Mm -hmm. though you know you shouldn't have done it because you should have gone on the vacation. But at the same time, now your brain starts beating yourself up because you didn't do two or three things that if you'd gotten those things done, it would have made your entry back into real life much easier. The vacation analogy falls apart because this is no vacation at all. This is at home. Probably on the couch, maybe in the backyard. Hide yourself from the public so no one can see your face. But you also don't feel 100%. So you've got to take care of, you know, all of those aspects of it. From an outsider's point of view, as outside as I can be, you seem to be coping with it pretty well. And I know the saving grace for you is that there are date goals ahead of you. On Monday, you get your dentures. (laughs) And on... (laughs) (laughs) We could totally make up a story. You got into a fist fight over masks or something. They used to say that about the my leg that I used to. I should tell people that I got bitten like, by a shark. A shark. Yeah, and, totally. And I actually did try to try yeah, that out a couple a times, good one. and it was pretty funny. You but, know the surfer story of the girl that lost her arm. Mine isn't that good, but <laughs> I did get bitten by a shark here, and people would what? Totally. Yeah, they would totally and I'm, buy you know, it. I'm from the coast, so I make, I'm yeah. a surfing country. Do you so. still surf? Right. Oh, totally. Yeah. I, yeah absolutely. Well, I, but I always kind of think that telling the story that you ran over your leg oh, with God. a riding lawnmower. Hell yes. That's good. That's a good one. That's a good story when the outcome is as good as it is. So I hear throughout the day that you're just on the couch chilling out. What, what have you, have you caught up on any good television? There hasn't been that much good television. God, the, you watch garbage. The best stuff we've watched has been with you. And I, partially that's because I hold on to the really good things with you and watch the crap whenever. I mean, I'll let you believe that. There's a wide ocean of content on all the different well, streaming platforms that are available to us. Yeah, but I'm trying to think of like crap that I don't know is crap, that mm-hmm. I'm not just sitting there watching crap. You're I mean, a sucker for any kind of Edwardian, the crown type the stuff. The crown, but it's still got to be good. But like, you are watching a lot of things in that kind of time period that I had never even really heard of. I tried to watch Emma the other day. Uh-huh. It was terrible. I don't know what that is. Uh, Jane Austen's book, yeah, yeah. Retelling, but uh-huh. it's, it was told in 2020 with the girl that did Queen's Gambit. The same She's lead? She's Emma. Oh, okay. She's Emma. Oh, no good? I thought it was kind of cheesy. Well, but during the night, yeah, I'll come over and we'll try to watch something else. We finished Queen's Gambit. How did you feel about the whole series now that we'd watched the last couple of episodes, which we hadn't last week? I, I thought it was great. Same thing. That is a really good show. And then we consumed in two days... This is not a television review broadcast, but this is what we've been up to this week. 
Ted Lasso on it Apple. It was so good, y'all. Seriously. So I was I was not expecting it to be good. I was surprised at how much I teared up watching the show, which is a silly comedy by the same guy that created Scrubs and other silly comedies. Uh-huh. It was so good. I Ted Lasso it. on Apple. What's the guy's name? Jason Sudeikis. Yes. Is an yes. American in England that's being hired to coach a soccer team. Right. When he knows nothing about it. Yeah. And it's fish out of water, and it's uh, American philosophy in England. It's English philosophy to Americans. The supporting cast is incredible. Uh It is a specific slice of sense of humor that I really, really enjoyed. I actually made the comment last night, now that's some physical comedy that I like, because I'm so adamantly against most physical comedy. Most physical comedy makes me sick. It makes me feel bad. Yeah, it doesn't about, make me uh, laugh. Very I don't, empathetic to the characters on screen. That's This is not funny to me. Yeah. You know that laugh that you laugh when someone trips uh-huh. and it doesn't feel bad? Yeah. You just laugh uh-huh. and everybody laughs and it's not that big of a deal? Yeah. That. He did it that way. Good old-fashioned Three Stooges stuff. The good old-fashioned yeah. stuff. Yeah, it was funny. I was so bummed out by not providing you with a good soup that first night. And yes, kind of threw it together at the last minute that I wanted to do something much better with knowing that a good soup is exactly what you needed. I found a cauliflower pakora soup. Indian in influence. It's supposed to be the soup version of the flavors of a pakora with cauliflower in it. Cauliflower potatoes, chicken broth, of course, are your main three volume ingredients. But then, of course, a bunch of Indian spice profile. I gave it two shakes of your (laughs) ball-burning dried pepper, like pizza pepper that you have created. I gave it two small shakes of that. And that's the only spice that was in it. And I think it was a little too hot for you. It was too hot the first night that I had it. It it mellowed out overnight? Well, not just that, but I think that my mouth was just mm-hmm. not as sensitive the second What'd you think of the soup? I thought it was good. Um, I thought it was really good. I don't yeah. know if it got a pakora in a bowl, yeah. but it was a, a nice soup. Cauliflower and potato together was really nice. I, I liked it. I, I don't think that my flavor profiles were quite there yet. I, I still think that's part of it, too. Oh, that's like, interesting. Oh, I meant, to tell, I meant to tell you. I used the Vitamix to make the soup the first night. Mm-hmm. And I was cutting off pieces of the ribs and stuck it in there, too. So oh. there was pulverized blended meat in, Good. The, in that first soup. Because I needed Just trying it. to give you a protein pop. Yeah, I needed it. And then it was like day two or three, you're like, Joe... I want real food. food. I'm like watching TV and they're eating hamburgers and Uh french fries. Not that I even eat hamburger or french fries I am here (laughs) to make you anything. Tell me what real food you want and I will make it. I'll make it as soft as I can if you need me to, but let me know what to do. You're like, no, I want, give me some takeout. Bring it to me for lunch. I had gotten in my mind that I could eat french fries. Yeah. So then I was like, I guess I'll just send him to the fast food place to get Uh, french fries. Let me bring you some fast food, french fries, baby. This seems like a perfect opportunity for you to eat some fast food. (laughs) I know. I skipped it. And I said, go to the, there's a Thai food restaurant in town. And they do something called chips and curry. And it's just french fries with like their curry dip that they use for their Thai curry Mm -hmm. stuff that they do. So he brought me that. And that's mostly what I ate the first night. And then you brought me some fried rice. 
Thai, it was a Thai basil, they call it uh-huh. fried rice. And I had asked them to put extra egg in it. I right. couldn't really tell egg that of, there was... Scrambled egg, of course, in fried rice. You wanted uh, some one... extra egg. Yeah, I to said, eat put extra egg. egg in there, please. I got charged for it, but there wasn't a lot of egg in it. Yeah, I don't know what was up with that. But then you reheated it again that night and added a bunch of eggs to it. I think I'm doing okay with rice now. Yeah. I think rice is a safe zone. Well, that was the big thing was she wants rice. And yeah. The idea of introducing that grain to you. Yeah. It's been a week out since I ate rice with the cabbage roll soup Mm -hmm. and then now i've eaten rice just again now a couple days later Mm -hmm. i think i'm safe with rice that's fantastic yeah it is you said for dinner i didn't eat much of the rice Mm -hmm. you don't even have to heat it up but do you mind adding some more egg to it Mm -hmm. so i go into the kitchen i pull out both of my christmas walks I said, she said that I don't have to heat it up, but I'm going to use my wok to heat it up because I know the wok is the perfect tool to do so. I scrambled three eggs in the wok, and when they're almost ready, I dumped the leftover vegetable fried rice in there. And then over in the flat bottom wok, I fried an egg. I know she needs protein. Mm -hmm. So here's a huge bowl of fried rice magnified with protein and then the fried egg on top. I'm embracing this idea that the food that we grow includes all of the eggs that we're bringing into the house, and I'm going to start putting fried eggs on everything. I like fried eggs. And fried eggs go on pretty much anything. They do. Maybe not a bowl of ice cream, but almost anything else. Can I tell you the best thing about this surgery? And I know you weren't looking forward to it. Who's looking forward to surgery? Kissing. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, kissing has become an issue. Kissing is no fun when you got to go in... Tip, gently you don't tip to sometimes tiptoe and i usually kisses, reach up and like grab you like I don't go in hard man you're gonna knock a tooth out sometimes <laughs> kissing on your tiptoes is fun but sometimes you want to you know really let the effect be known and i can't wait for the day when i can act like we just won world war ii and i can put you down into a big dip in Times square and really show you how i feel about you <laughs> show the world i think it's time to do i don't think i can try do it, it. Poor thing. Table topics. Poor thing. Table topics. That's better. Yeah, you're doing a great. See, look at you in the flow. This is good because this was actually a dinner table conversation this last week. It's funny how table topics works that way. (laughs) Did you ever run away from home? No. No. The other night I couldn't contribute to the conversation. I never pulled that move. Don't know why. Seemed like a dumb idea. I think you have a different like feeling about parents than maybe the average person has about parents i think that the number of people that are on the earth there are that many feelings about parents however agreed i don't recall doing any of that i'm packing my bag i'm leaving my parents saying no don't leave my parents saying go ahead and go because they're going to teach me the object lesson of that's really a poor idea no my running away from home was college and (laughs) if you follow me i do actually even though I know the answer to the question, anyone that knows you knows that you probably did on running away from home. Well, but in my house, I don't, I don't believe I ever told anyone I was running away from home. Mm-hmm. I think I probably just ran away from home. When I was at the age of running away from home, I lived in like the middle of the woods. The country, yeah. I lived in the woods. So I could run away from home several hours and nobody would even know I was gone. And then all of a sudden I'd be like, well, damn, they're not looking for me. <laughs> This isn't having the effect that I wanted at all. I mean, I think that I still... And it's getting cold. I think that I do... I run away from home all the time. I do it... Anytime you see me going outside or going off to the beach or whatever, I run run away from home. (laughs) But we did talk about this with our kids. Yeah. Because my daughter, Lillian, she was a runaway from home all the time. 
And that story actually gets brought up a lot because right after um, my ex-husband and I got a divorce and she, I mean, those times are hard for everybody. Oh, yeah. Now, single mom in a house. Mm -hmm. We're in a new house because we had just moved. And it's me and Cortland and Lillian. And Lillian and I were still having the big fights. We don't have the big fights anymore because I just won't let it go there. And And she's grown up. She's grown up. I probably put up with a little bit too much from her because I don't want us to have the big fights that are just obnoxious and are not real. Don't help. They don't help. They're so unreal. They don't help anyone. But she was going to jump out the window because she. I told her, go to her room. Don't come out of your room, you know, whatever. And How she old? was, I guess, nine. Okay. Yeah. And she was going to jump out the window. And I was like, if you jump out that window, you're going to hurt yourself because you're going to fall way down, way, mm-hmm. way down. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a second floor down, but it was long enough to hurt. And then you moved in with me. We're all together. Mm-hmm. Things are confusing for the kids, but let's not pretend they're confusing for the adults too. Uh-huh. And she had a, a good little episode. She liked to run, offer to run away. She, she, she offered to run away. I'm out of here. This particular time, we, we let her go out. And you and I are co-parenting for the first times. Yeah. And she goes out the front door. What do you want to do? Nothing. <laughs> like, yeah, she'll get to the end of the block and come back. Yeah. And she was always barefooted, uh-huh. running away from home in her bare feet. It is a joy to bring these things up, and we can all laugh about them now. That is Those funny. confusing times. Well, I get... Savannah told her story. Yeah. Savannah's story, she said, I just wanted to run away. Yeah, I, I'm going to run away. What were you mad about? Nothing. I just wanted to see, which kind of actually matches Savannah quite a bit. Yeah. Like, I just want to see, I just want to know what it would be like to run away. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't really want to run away, but kind of thinks it would be fun to run away. How about we make this deal with all of the kids? Don't run away when you can't provide for yourself, when it's too young to be out there in the world together. But once you are old enough, run away as quickly as you can and tell us all of the stories. But don't leave too long. Come back. Christmas and Thanksgiving are for. Like my little Cortland. I miss him. He goes away. He don't come home. (laughs) He runs away. (laughs) This sent shockwaves through our home. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Dinner Table Talks. We will be back next Monday with a fresh episode. In the meantime, hit us up on social media, send us an email, DM us, whatever. We want to hear from you. And we hope that you're enjoying the episodes as much as we enjoy creating them for you. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dinner Table. My name, of course, is Aislinn G. I'm a, she can't I'm, I'm remember her name. I'm going to reveal that you're not on pain medication. <laughs> I'm not this yeah. morning yet. Okay. I don't know that it's on off yet. It's because it feels weird to talk. Yeah. Like I, it's going to. Okay. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. <laughs>